0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Listeners, let's talk about sex. S-E-X, baby, you and me. On me going down. Now, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. If you want that, listen up right now. Bluechew.com is here and it's ready to save your game in the bedroom. That's Blue Like The Color Chew.com. Bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. The performance is perfect. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be re- when, ready whenever opportunity arises. And, buddy, let me tell you, opportunity will arise at any moment's notice. Just last week, I was at the bar talking to this girl. She had these nice long legs. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe this could lead somewhere. Luckily, I had a blue chew in my pocket, performed like a stallion all night, went three. Maybe four hours. I didn't time myself, but it was right around that mark. Ended up just being a sweaty mess, but thank you to Blue Chew for keeping me lasting all night. I came a couple times, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first free shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's blue com promo code ARMCHAIR, to try it for free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
0: Attention, past, present, and future MyBookie players. For this week only, MyBookie is offering a risk free bet on the Bears Lions game. Simply choose. A team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congratulations. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. MyBookie will give you all of your money back. It's a a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to sports bet but have lots of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is if you join now, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code CHAIR. That's C-H-A-I-R, chair. And MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet for this week only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller.
1: Neal the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Ow! he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh, assists. No. Oh, my oh, God! Double time! Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 oh no! With oh, a no. Right Don't hand. let him throw it down like that. Victor, on the cheapo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. <laughs>
0: Welcome to episode 73 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. We are officially back after taking, I think, about a two or three week hiatus, holiday season, very busy time. Um, but we're back now, so I'm here as always. My name's Chris Cook. I don't know if I said that yet already, anyways. Uh, Eric Hawk here with me as well. Hawk, what it do, baby? <laughs>
1: Uh, Not much, just uh, had a good holiday season, Um, Cincinnati for New Year's, Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else, I got a computer that's pretty nice, so I've just been taking it easy, man, and uh, enjoying some fine basketball, what about you?
0: Yeah, no uh, real big plans over the holidays, just glad it's over with, a lot of, you know, traveling to different places, and not much relaxing for me, so... I am glad it's over with and we can proceed on into this new year, 2020. And speaking of new year, new me, 2020, the big news that we're going to start off the show here with today, not the game yet from from uh, Wednesday night where the Pacers got demolished by the Heat. We're going to actually start off with some good news first. Victor Oladipo on Wednesday announced that he will make his season debut on Wednesday, January January 29th, at home against the Chicago Bulls, Oladipo has been out since he suffered that gruesome knee injury last season on January 23rd against the Raptors. Uh, the Pacers, right now, as it sits, 23 and 15 this season without Oladipo, and currently at the sixth seed in the East. Uh, that two through six range is pretty pretty close as it sits today. Not very many games separate them, so how big is it that there's finally a date out there now where we can expect him to be back on the floor?
1: You know, it's, it's huge. I, I speculated post all-star break. So right before, I think it's going to be a good timing, you know, let him get some games under his belt and then maybe a little break there for the all-star break. Even if it is only a couple days, I think it'll be impactful. And Agnes is saying how good his shot looks and practice and stuff, so it, it's very exciting. I, and there's no way you cannot be just absolutely ecstatic right now. And we said we wanted to be 500 when he came back. And how many games do we got? If we lose all the games, are we still going to be 500 when he comes back?
0: I'm not sure how many games there are in between, but we'll be. If you lose all the games, it's going to be it's going to be close. There are eight games yeah. over 500 right now, so it's going to be close to that number.
1: Yeah. I don't expect us to lose all those games. we got some some winnable games coming up. But, yeah, it's very exciting. That news broke kind of out of nowhere and, you know, just, just a lot going on now.
0: Yeah, so I think it's, like you said, it's good to have a date now um, because there was a lot of speculation um, uh, Pacers fans going into the season. When will he be back? Some thought it could be as early as December. Uh, a lot of more, you know, I would say – Realistic fans expected January or February And to have You know an actual date put on it So these next two or three weeks Is kind of just going to be like his training camp Um, I think that's a good thing for The team to look forward to I think they played it smart by not putting it You know a a date on it because let's say that He said he was going to be back by December And then he didn't come back by December I think fans would be freaking out Wouldn't you agree that would be They played it smart there for sure Yeah,
1: we've seen that happen before with guys coming back from injuries and they have to push their day back. Then everyone's like, well, what's going on? What's wrong? Yeah, you know, that puts more pressure on everyone. So I think they handled it well. We've gotten a little (laughs) impatient, but, I mean, it was a pretty bad injury
0: and we're just happy to get him back whenever we can. Yeah, and I think we need to, just like we settled our expectations on when he would get back, I think we need to settle our expectations on the player he will be when he gets back. Um. I mean, as you've seen with these major injuries, it takes some time to get back into the groove of things. So he's not going to come out there against the Bulls on the 29th. Maybe he could, but I don't expect him to drop 30 points in a game winner right away. I don't expect him to be sprinting down the floor. So I think we need to, you know, level out our expectations. It's good that he's coming back with at least two months before the playoffs. That's definitely a benefit. Definitely beats him coming back in March and then playing in the playoffs. You know, get the rust through. It could take him a whole year, you know, to get to that level, but at least he'll get some games under his belt before the playoffs starts, and I think that's going to be huge for the team.
1: Yeah, who do you think's role has changed the most with Oladipo? Because I don't think the bigs, because, you know, he mm-hmm. provides a lot more looks at pick and roll, you know, kind of what Brogdon does. So, from I mean, other than Jeremy Lamb, how do you think, what's going to be the biggest adjustment?
0: Are you speaking rotation-wise?
1: Rotation-wise, fit-wise, who gets their shots taken, just is there any kind of friction? Like, what what are the difficulties you see with him coming back, if any?
0: Um, yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I had here on my uh, t- uh point bullet point list here is projected rotations. So, yeah. I have uh, excuse me, I have I'm belching for some reason. Um, I have my rotation that I would have uh for when he comes back. So the biggest question mark is we already know who's going to the bench and that's going to be Jeremy Lamb so that's not a question mark but that's that's a fact Jeremy Lamb will be playing off the bench and he'll be the primary sixth man for the team um, and so that leaves up to question Goga is not going to play he his minutes his minutes are done uh, unless Turner and uh, Sabonis both get in severe foul trouble his minutes are done he might come in for a minute here and there like he is now, but his minutes are done, especially with Oladipo coming back. I'm sorry, you Goga fans out there. But anyways, the biggest question mark is who plays between Aaron Holliday and TJ McConnell. Holiday had those stretch of games where he was starting the Toronto Ra- Raptors game. I believe he had 19 and 10 uh, big shots down the stretch. He's had other games where he's hit big shots, uh, double-digit points and assists. Um, but the last, you know, pretty much ever since that Raptors game, maybe a couple games after that, he's played piss poor. Um, he hasn't looked like himself. His shots haven't been falling. I think his confidence has kind of dwindled. So, I think when they signed McConnell, they were expecting him to be the third guard, but he's really, I mean, he's hes outplayed what fans and I think the, um, the organization has thought that he could play to this point. So, I don't know. I think I think everything remains the same, and we can talk about McConnell and Holiday here in just a second, a little bit more. But my rotation uh, as, as I have it is uh, Brogdon, Oladipo, backcourt, uh, Warren, and Sabonis, and then Turner at the center. Uh, that's in the starting five. Obviously that's what it's going to be. And then that second unit, you have that decision between McConnell and Aaron Holiday, uh, and then you're going to play them with Jeremy Lamb, McDermott, and Justin Holiday. I've seen a lot of people say that they expect Justin Holiday to go out of the rotation. That's that's not happening. Justin Holiday has been great off of the bench for the Pacers this season. He can defend pretty much any position except for the five. Uh, he can spot up three. I mean, he's not going to lose minutes. So his brother, I believe, will lose minutes before he does. So, what do you think uh, with that question mark regarding McConnell and Holiday? Uh, how that plays out there in the second unit. Because those are my thoughts. I, I think I think that if Holiday is more talented, that's not up for debate, but McConnell has played so well with the second unit, and if the, if is playing out of sorts, you know, if they need a spark off the bench, they're defi- definitely going to be going with McConnell in the second unit.
1: Yeah, so uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I would think that we'd play McConnell in games that mattered, you know until holiday shows me consistency or you know maybe throw them both in there for a few minutes see who's hotter and then pull the other one for a while you know there's ways to go about it but if i had to guess i would say mcconnell's going to be the one that loses most of the minutes just because you want to let holiday get run he's proved he can score you need scoring more but you know it's going to be sad to see mcconnell's minutes go because there's no three better words than sports than timothy john mcconnell but that's Purely speculation. I think in games that matter, you'd rather have McConnell out there right now. He's more of a. I wouldn't say he's more of a distributor, but you know, it seems like he's looking for to get others involved a little more. Even though Holiday is really good at finding assists at times, so they're they're very similar. Uh, Holiday's obviously the better scorer and shooter, so I think that's the way they're going to go, and just kind of see how that rotation works out at first. But you know, I trust McConnell more honestly from what I've seen. Yeah, and
0: I I think that is there. You know what you're going to get out of McConnell each night, and he's going to be consistent. He could put up increased stat lines, but he's not going to go out there and lay many eggs, and that's kind of what Holiday has done here lately. You don't know if you're going to get a great game out of him or not. So going to be very interesting to see what McMillan does there. I know he favors veteran players, so – I wouldn't be shocked to see him going with Holiday at the beginning, and then if Holiday struggles, he just is like, okay, we're done with this, and then McConnell plays the rest of the year. So that's definitely uh, in the cards because McMillan's kind of got a track record for doing stuff like that. But my other point is this is kind of, you know, we're in the era of, you know, load management and things like that. I think uh, Kawhi just coined the term knee maintenance or knee management, something like that, in the past week. So new terms are coming out every week in this league. So I think that, uh, you know, having this depth on the roster just extremely benefits this team, something they have lacked in the past. Brogdon has missed games. Uh, He's expected to come back Friday night against the Bulls, but he's missed games. I think he's in double digits now over that, maybe a few games, maybe 12 to 13 games he's missed this year. So he's going to get hurt, and this isn't going to be the last time that he misses games and Oladipo is going to need to get rest. I mean, he's probably not going to play on back-to-backs, and if he does, he might be on a minute restriction. So, you know, a lot of people saying these guys will be out of the rotation. I, I still expect him to still get plenty of playing time just because they're going to be managing Oladipo's minutes, I assume, at the beginning and because players will get hurt, and they can afford to give guys, give guys nights off even when they're not, you know, that injured. They can afford to say, just take the night off. It's fine we can play, you know, holiday more minutes tonight. So I think that's a plus for the team for sure. Yeah, I mean, it sucks if you're a fan
1: going to the game and you don't get to see, you know, the player you want to see play. But if we're thinking long-term, you know, some rest management is definitely needed, especially coming back from an injury like that. You know, Kawhi, you talked about Kawhi. He's just had this knee problem forever. I don't know if, you know, he's milking it a little bit or how much pain he's actually in. We just don't know. But, you know, it seems like the way of thinking in the NBA now is, you know, to wrap these guys up in, you know, a soft blanket and let them miss some time if they need be. And, you know, they're big investments. So there's a lot of money in the NBA. You don't want, you know, your star player missing the most important game. So I get it a little bit. But at the same time, you know, the old school way of thinking is just let them go. And, you know, if you play hard, you, you won't have to worry about injuries. It doesn't, because you just, you just block that out. But, you know, it's, it's the modern NBA. So it is what it is. It's not that big of a deal, in my opinion.
0: Yep, and, you know, I mean, it's a good problem to have. I'd rather have too much depth than no depth at all. So a good problem for McMillan and the coaching staff to have. So my final point here uh, for Deepa before we get into that Heat game, uh, eight games, uh, he's returning eight games before the All-Star break. You had mentioned that he's going to be coming back close to that. So when he comes back for the Bulls game, they'll have eight games before they have, uh, you know, an eight- or nine-day break, whatever it is. Um, the Pacers play seven out of those eight games at home, which I think is going to be huge for him.
1: Really? Yeah, that yeah. is big. Yeah,
0: so not much travel. Yeah. I, and I think that's definitely – they're coming off a road trip into that game, so I think that was kind of planned there, you know, to give – you know, not have much changing and, you know, he's got a solid, you know, s- seven games that he plays at home, I think, you know, to get him back in the swing of things. So I think that's going to be very helpful for him, so –
1: yeah, we also we bought tickets to that game. Yeah, like, well, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be louder than the Lance return? Do you think it's going to be louder than the George return and booing? Well, I think it's going to be the loudest possible. Paul George obviously is returning, but to me, I just think you know this time and what this team's done with Adam, You know, even though we've lost some games recently, there's a lot of hope. You know, he's he's kind of the guy we love more than anybody. So I, I think. Bagger's life is going to be the place to be that
0: night, 100%. Oh, yeah. It's going to be – I mean, I, I definitely think it will be louder than the Paul George return. I wasn't there for that game, so I don't know exactly. Uh, you were there for the Lance game, I believe, and that was pretty electric. Um, I expect it to be a playoff atmosphere. I expect everybody and, – and what I would love, and I saw somebody say this, I don't want him to be in the starting lineup – uh, that game, I want him to come off the bench because I feel like he gets a bigger standing ovation coming off the bench in that game than he would if he was announced with the regular starters.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say Nate gives like Jeremy like five minutes run in the first, and then you know just brings him in right away. So yeah. I can't wait for that. I got goosebumps just thinking about it, man. Honestly.
0: Yeah, an interesting story in that with the tickets there. So uh, the game, or it was announced. Shams had had sent out the tweet, whatever it was. And so I had sent it to you guys in the chat. I think Jake had mentioned, "Oh, I'm I don't have anything going on that day. We should go." So I hurry up and get and t- get on to Ticketmaster because I know these things are just gonna skyrocket. Yeah. And somehow, I mean, we're we're sitting near midcourt, and we got three tickets at a discounted price, and they're gonna give us a koozie, a towel, and a free beer, and all for that at like. Seventy five dollars plus the fee we had to pay for it, which was ridiculous. It was like twenty bucks, but still right now those tickets in that same section are going for two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. So
1: and we're not selling those are not for resale.
0: Yeah. Uh not for resale. If you are willing to pay five hundred dollars per ticket, we would probably reconsider. Um right. but maybe it's gotta be a significant profit. We're gonna have a great night. Uh, hopefully the Pacers don't don't lay an egg that night. But anyways, speaking of lay, Pacers laying eggs, last night, uh, Pacers versus Heat, Wednesday night, I mean. Uh, Pacers absolutely destroyed 122-108 uh, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I say destroyed 14 points. It doesn't seem like a lot, but, I mean, the game was just out of reach the entire time. I think at one point they were down by over 30 points. Um, yeah. So the final score was much closer than the actual game. Uh, the big news, obviously – Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren getting into it there uh, in the third quarter. They both got – so pretty much here's what happens. I'll explain it. You give your thoughts, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, Butler is attacking the rim. I believe he's coming off of a screen, and then Warren proceeds to grab his arm uh, because Butler had a clear path to the basket, and if he hadn't done that, it would have been an easy dunk. So, Warren grabs his arm. Butler overreacts and gets in Warren's face, shoves his chest on him. Uh, Warren doesn't move an inch, and they're going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I think Warren called him soft and said, I'll beat your effing ass. Um, So, comments like that are going in there. Jimmy Butler's calling him trash. Um, And so they give double text, and it comes back. They come back out next possession. Jimmy Butler gets the ball. On the wing uh, and completely, not even a basketball play, just elbows. And you know he's just baiting. He's baiting Warren. And Warren was dumb to fall for this. But he, he absolutely wasn't a basketball play. It was an over-exaggerated elbow. Offensive foul called. Warren, like an idiot, just claps in his face. Uh, they get him for the technical. So he's out of the game. And then Jimmy Butler proceeds to blow a kiss as he's getting uh, walking to the locker room. Uh, But the refs don't see that somehow, and he stays in the game. So what were your thoughts from the interaction? Uh, That's pretty much the breakdown there of what happened in the game. We'll talk about a little bit what happened after the game here in just a second. But about the altercation during the game, uh, what were your overall thoughts?
1: It made the game more exciting. I will say that at the beginning, but Jimmy Butler just, from my eyes, he looked like a little bitch. And, you know, there's a lot of blame on Warren too. I mean, he was definitely – you know, antagonizing him on. But I'm going to stand up for my guy a little bit. And Butler, you know, he's not really going to punch. He's not really going to do anything. He cares too much, like, about anything other than actually fighting anybody on the court, I would assume. But from what I saw last night, I I don't see how you can say Butler, Butler wasn't just doing this on purpose, trying to get under his skin. I, I don't know what his, you know, motives were. But to me, he came off looking the worst. And then his after-the-game press antics were also – Suspect, question, weird. You know, I, I don't know. It was it made the game more exciting, and it you like to see a little bit of that. But at the same time, I thought Butler should have also got his second second technical and thrown out of the game. I don't think it just should have been Warren.
0: Yeah, and the, my other point here is, uh, so if Jimmy Butler acts like this tough guy and. I don't know much background on him Except he went to Marquette And he's played for the Bulls The Wolves, Sixers, now the Heat So I don't know his growing up story Maybe he got in a lot of fights and things like that I personally, I've never been in a fight before So um, I, In that situation Jimmy Butler has never shown us on the court From what we've seen That he's been in a fight At least not that I know of That he's actually fought somebody um, and so, if you're going to talk all that smack that he did, and then after the game do that, and he's never even been in a fight, I mean, it's kind of just it makes him look like an, a dumbass. Um, he had every opportunity to do anything he wanted to Warren. There, he could have punched him in the face, he could have pushed him, he could have kicked him in the nuts, he could have literally done anything. All it was was a chest bump, and he was yelling. And so, if you're such a, this big tough guy. And you put off this persona. The, the ref's, like, a f- few feet away from them. Jimmy had all the time in the world to do whatever he wanted. And don't tell me it's because he was being smart and didn't want to get suspended. Who cares if he gets suspended three games for a push? If he's that big of a tough guy, he's willing to do it. Um and so he just waits for the ref to come hold him back. And it's just that typical NBA moment where they're just like, oh, hold me back, hold me back before I do something. So Jimmy just starts going insane once the ref gets there. So fake tough guy in my eyes for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Butler's had – he's had an interesting life growing up. He's had some trouble for sure. But I just think at this point in your career, you're kind of past that, aren't you? Like what what could T.J. Warren have said that really set him off? Like what, what was his antics? They were beating our ass. I mean – he just must have just wanted to get some self-motivation. It's the only way I could see. And the fake tough guy, he nailed it on the head. I don't think Butler's really about that action at this stage in his career. He's making too much money. He doesn't he doesn't really care this deeply. Yeah.
0: Um, so after the game, he does the press conference pretty much to, you know, summarize what he said. He called Warren trash several times. Um. So he told Warren not to be disrespectful, whatever. Or he was saying Warren's being disrespectful, and then he proceeds to be disrespectful and call another man trash, another pro basketball player trash. Um, And then he told Warren to watch his mouth. And then he proceeds in the interview to uh, drop the f bomb, and uh, you know, I don't know what he said. A few other curse words. Um, So he just went off in the interview, pretty much just saying that Warren, the Pacers, were dumb for putting um, Warren on him. He can't guard him. He's not on his level. No one's questioning T.J. Warren. He, he's not on Jimmy Butler's level. That, that No one is questioning that. Um, but let's remember, Jimmy Butler scored 14 points last
1: night. <laughs> um, that was the funniest part of it all. He had yeah. 14. He acted like he just had a career night from the field, which yeah. was, just ap- it was just weird.
0: And he does things out there where, you know, he, he had rebounds and he had several assists. But, I mean, the big thing was that the Heat were making shots. The white guys were making shots. And I apologize if you hear my dogs barking. They're barking at absolutely nothing because they're freaking assholes. But anyways, um, uh, the biggest thing is the white guys. I mean, they just were they were deadly from three. I think at one point I messaged the, the blog chat and I said, the Heat have made eight threes. Seven of those threes have came from white guys. So I mean, they were just hitting their shots. Pacers were playing piss poor defense, but Jimmy Butler to suggest that you know TJ Warren is some shitty player and and doesn't you know, he didn't say he didn't belong in the league, but when you call another man trash, you're kind of suggesting that. Uh, and Warren's been having a great year, so I mean, people are gonna look at Warren and think of Phoenix Warren in this situation, and and it's not fair to him. Um, and the other thing is, a lot of those players after the game, the Heat players. You know, they were retweeting Jimmy stuff and, and and egging him on, um, you know, using emojis and stuff that these, these kids like to do these days. They were egging Jimmy on, pretty much, you know, accepting his stupid behavior. Um, and you didn't hear a peep from the Pacers players, uh, and TJ Warren actually came out today and was very professional in his interview. So I think it kind of speaks to the point that Jimmy Butler is an immature little bitch, um, and... He's he fits right in my within Miami because he plays with a bunch of these young guys.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a side from this. What do you think about this Heat team as constructed? Because clearly they're good. They're better than people expect. Are they are they overplaying right now? Because they're twenty seven and ten. What second in the East right now? And they didn't have a guy last night that scored over twenty points, and they absolutely dominated us. So are we officially scared of the Heat? As far as, like, a playoff against them, I wouldn't say scared. But do you think we could beat the Heat in the playoffs in the series? I,
0: I I honestly do think that we could, especially getting Brogdon. Brogdon hasn't played against the Heat this year. Um, yeah. We lost by one point to them in Miami. Last night was a dud. I, I don't care if we played, you know, the Hawks, which we did lose to them. But give me another bad team in the NBA. We would have lost to them last night. That's how bad we played. We, we did not play – How we've played all season, it was a piss-poor performance from the coaching staff to the players. The only player who showed out was Sabonis. Other than that, no one else had a good game. Um, So, I, I mean, the Heat, I think, are constructed exactly how, if you're building around Jimmy Butler, they're constructed exactly how they should be. Um, they have a bunch of young guys who, you know, they're they're tough. No, I wouldn't say they're tough because Myers Myers Leonard blocked us on Twitter. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But anyways, they're they are persistent. They can make shots. Um, and they seem to th- their attitudes and things like that seem to fit a lot more with Jimmy Butler than kind of a passive attitude like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So. I think that's what's working. He's kind of playing pickup basketball with them right now, and it seems to be working. If it will work in the playoffs, I don't know. I definitely think they're going to be a top four, four team for sure, though. And if the Pacers finish in that fifth slot and they finish fourth, I would love to see them in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, look at who else is in those. I mean, I would rather play them than Philly, I feel like. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'd rather play them than Boston. 100%. Uh, who's the other one? Don't want to play Milwaukee, obviously. I, I guess, Toronto. I guess Toronto. I, I mean, I, I'd rather play them. Uh, Toronto, the, the Siakam, and uh, they have Gasol, and uh, I forget who else uh, didn't play and against us.
1: Fleet, Ananobi. So yeah,
0: I, I would probably rather play them. It would probably be them and then Toronto.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I'd rather play Toronto just because of what I've seen from them this year, and. You know, if the Heat were smart, they would make a trade at the deadline for, like, another, you know, legit number two, and, you know, they're a real contender this year if they do that, and it's just my thought on them, I, I know they're kind of the surprise of the NBA, or at least one of the surprises that we talked about, but... Let's get into some of the after tweet after game tweets that you had because they were legendary last night. Yeah, so uh,
0: let's get into the Instagram first. Jimmy Butler tweets out a picture of the schedule in March, March twentieth. That's next time the Heat play uh, the Pacers. It will be in Indy at seven o'clock, and he circles in re- blood red. He circles the game, and his his caption is at T J Warren one. Don't be mad. You can't guard me. We will see what you about in March, and then Draymond Green says locked in with two exclamation points because of course Draymond Green has to chime in. Yeah, if there's
1: any hint of fighting going on in the NBA, Draymond Green has that you know Google notification going off immediately. (laughs) Um,
0: So, anyways, kind of the the Twitter feed here. Um, Excuse me, I I don't know if I'm coming down with like a cold or something, but I hope not. so Dwayne Wade tweets, feels like the old Miami Heat and Pacers. And then he puts a, you know, a blushing, smiling emoji. Um, and it's probably, you know, a, a harmful tweet, but still. Uh, the gif he chose to use was the gif where Lance Stevenson scored on him and Dwayne Wade sm- smiled, and that's where it cut off. And so I chose to go to YouTube and get the video to show that Dwayne Wade in that gif, made, you know, he tried to make himself look like a, you know, a hardo, uh, yeah. But really, he cried to the ref. And so, <laughs> he... Did you that before,
1: or did you just look it up and No, yeah, I yeah, figure
0: yeah. I, I knew that before, because I, I was... I remember that game. I believe it was in 2014. It was a March game yeah. uh, that we played against them at home. And I watched it in Las Vegas. And I remember that game... And I remember just being pissed off that Dwayne Wade, I mean, it, it it isn't beneath what Dwayne Wade would do. He he would do this 10 times out of 10. That's the type of player he was. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's hilarious that he he smiles and then like literally looks the other way and just starts crying, like throws his shoulders out. And then right after he sees that, I don't know, it looks like Joey Crawford. It looks like right after he sees Dwayne Wade react that way, he, he issues Lance with a tech.
1: Yeah, I mean it's got over a thousand like just interact or retweets and favorites. So you know Dwayne Wade saw that. What do you think his reaction was when he saw that? Um,
0: He hasn't responded yet. So obviously, you know he's he's scared to reply to us. I was actually hoping to get blocked by him. Um, I hope this got us the block. That would be, I mean that would be some, you know, grade A podcast stuff if we were blocked by him. So. (laughs) <laughs> um
1: i love it i know
0: um so speaking of being blocked um uh setting the pace they tweeted out so myers leonard i was talking about how the miami players were aching on jimmy butler myers leonard quote tweeted uh the interview that butler did and he called him a legend so setting the pace got a video <laughs> of when sabonis just literally manhandles Myers Leonard in the paint. Like yeah. it, he just like, it's, it's like a, you know, the Hulk going against, you know, like a, a toddler literally in the post. Um, he just easily moves Myers Leonard and they quote tweeted it and put that video above uh, his legend tweet. And so setting the pace got blocked by Myers Leonard and then so myself and some other fans on Twitter took it upon themselves to try to get blocked by Leonard as well. And so I send out the tweet I sent out the same exact tweet they did, quote, tweeted with the video. And within like two or three hours, we're blocked by Myers Leonard on Twitter, which is just insane. I love it. It it brings a smile to my face.
1: It really does. Just let so you know that, you know, he's, he's looking and he sees it. And he's like, dang, they got me. I got to block him now. It's, I can see how it's instant gratification, for sure. Yeah, and, and
0: a lot of people on here, I mean, just in responses, uh, they say that Myers Leonard is softer than baby shit. <laughs> um, soft, he's soft as shit, and then, you know, just a lot of good stuff. Um, and very fun night on Twitter. Bad game, but a fun night on Twitter. Um, so uh, another thing I did want to point out, and I found this uh, just when I was looking ahead on the schedule... Uh, the next uh, week of games for the Pacers, Friday night they play at Chicago, Monday they play versus Philly at home, and then they play next Wednesday at Minnesota, uh, followed by a uh, home game versus Minnesota on Friday. Uh, interesting little tidbit here is all of those teams are former teams that Jimmy Butler has played for. Yeah,
1: that. what are of the odds? Off- that's gotta be like a one in a million show we have this whole thing and doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean
0: that's just insane and and I was just looking so I was putting together the the podcast, you know, bullet points like I always do and I always put the upcoming schedule and I usually put the next week of games or so and I was just like that is that is absolutely crazy. Friday night playing at Chicago where he started Um, Philly where he played at last year And then the Timberwolves where he was there for a year Just absolutely insane that you get the Jimmy Butler I mean we can't escape him He's going to be following us for the next week
1: He's literally like Kind of in our head somehow The schedule makers had this planned all along so I think
0: I think what the Pacers need to do is just maybe in each of these cities they just get some you know some tips, things that you know got under his skin and and you know, maybe like you know his deepest fears like maybe he's afraid of you know like he's got a weird fear or something and and you just gotta expose him like you can expose him in the game. Uh, you know Carl Anthony Towns Has got to have some sh- shit on him I mean he's got to
1: Him and Wiggins have a whole list of shit That you could just talk to Butler I'm so, sure. I
0: mean we got three days Where we're with the Timberwolves We might as well fly back with them This is what we need to do Wednesday night We're in Minnesota We just need to be like You know what Timberwolves Steak dinner on the plane Fly back with us to Indy Because we got to play Friday night against each other again You guys stink Just give us the easy win um, And while we're at it just give us some tips on Jimmy Butler. What what makes him scared? What are some things that, you know, get under his skin? And, and you know, they just need to make take advantage of this type of schedule. Um, and I think it would be an absolute slap in the face to Jimmy if they go 4-0. Yeah,
1: find out about some ex-girlfriends. Maybe uncover some kind of money laundering scheme he's up to. There's a lot of ways you can do it, yeah. for sure.
0: Um, and, and a little more of a serious note, Malcolm Brogdon, he's been out for the last few games sore lower back. He's expected to play against Chicago on Friday. Knock on wood, but my goodness, it'll be good to have him back in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean you said it earlier. He's got this little history now of being injury prone. Might be a reason Milwaukee didn't re sign him just for all that money, but you know, I still think that can be knocked if you just get healthy and you know just play game. I, I don't think the injury thing's necessary gonna follow him hopefully he just gets healthy and plays you know that's that's what we're all hoping yep
0: all right well that's all i got here opening remarks here on oladipo big news there pacers heat that dud and uh big game against the bulls pacers have lost six of their last nine games so uh they need to go on a nice little win streak here before oladipo comes back Um, So that's going to wrap this first part of our show up And next up we have some topics here for Around the Association So uh, we will be right back That one was forceful today. Wow. I am impressed. (laughs) Um, Wow. Um, I might have to do the first few topics by myself. Um, Anyways, this isn't really – I mean, it is a topic, but we won't say much about it, but we have to mention it. Uh, Rest in peace to former NBA commissioner David Stern. Stern was the commissioner from 1984 to 2014. Uh, he passed away on January 1st. So now the players are all wearing that black stripe on their jerseys to um, in memoriam of him for the rest of the year. So anything you would like to add to that except RIP Mr. Stern?
1: Um, just rest easy. That's all. I didn't know him personally, but he did a lot of good things for the league and he did a lot of sketchy things for the league. He was an impactful person for sure. Yep.
0: All right, next up. Vince Carter made history on January 4th against the Pacers. Uh, Carter, in his 22nd NBA season, made a major milestone by being the first NBA player to appear in four different decades. Uh, He's played in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and now in the 2020s. Carter, his NBA experience is enough to have a college degree. How, uh, you know crazy of a stat is that that's
1: absolutely insane obviously he started off his career as this great player and he's kind of written a book on how to transition into like that leadership role perfectly and they're basically just paying him to be a mentor in the locker room it seems like when he does get minutes he's not bad you know he's a good passer he makes the right basketball plays he's not going to be able to drop 20 every night obviously but it obviously hasn't really helped out the Hawks, but in the long term with those young guys, I think it might, you know, and that's kind of what they've hoped, and he still makes a good living. And Is he for sure retiring? Yes, he
0: has announced he will retire at the end of this season.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So will he get one of those commissioner all-star spots, I'm
0: guessing? Um, That's what a lot of people were talking about. I don't know if they're going to – yeah, I don't know if they'll do that with him or not, but uh, they might as well, you know. If, I mean, what was it last year? It was Dirk and Dwayne Wade. Yeah, and this year so, I
1: guarantee it's Carmelo and him. If if I had to guess, I don't know who else you'd pick in the West that's retiring or whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's weird because Melo probably wants to play next year too, so I don't even know if he'd accept it. And I don't know if this is something they're going to do every year. But you know, for Vince Carter, it seems like they should if they did it for those other two guys.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, he's what forty two now, so I mean, it's amazing that he's played this many seasons. Um, and obviously, not at the level that he used to be at. But for you know those early two thousand years, I mean, he was when especially when then when he got traded to the Nets. I mean, he was good there for the first couple of seasons he played. So. Uh, it's 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 shocking to see he's still in the league but i could definitely see him after he retires being an assistant coach and then maybe working his way up that seems like you know he enjoys this mentor stuff so maybe that's something that he's interested in but um anyways uh it's a great stat and first player to do it so cool thing to see um next up cavaliers head coach john beeline pissed off his own players on wednesday during a film session During the film session, Beeline suggested in the in the uh, session that the Cavaliers players were no longer playing like a bunch of thugs. Beeline has since backtracked on the accusation and claims that he meant to say slugs instead. Uh, Beeline has called and apologized to each player individually, as it was reported by Woj. Uh, the Cavaliers are currently 10-27 and 27 and haven't responded well to his college coach mentality. You've seen Kevin Love freaking out on the court here recently. So what do you think about that interesting headline? He tried to say slugs. I mean, that's quite a backtrack.
1: Yeah, well, let's just start at the beginning here. <laughs> There's Has there been anybody that's had like a worse transition to the NBA in recent memory? I mean, we can obviously agree it's not all his fault. The veterans didn't buy in at all. They're definitely not. But just speaking about Kevin Love, I mean, he's been a total bitch about the whole situation. You know, there's a guy like Chris Paul who had a similar thing happen to him, and look where they're at now. The Thunder might actually make the playoffs. He's done a great job there. And then, you know, a guy like Kevin Love, who people generally like across NBA Twitter, across the league, and he's just... To me, it's kind of like, Jesus, man. Like, talk about a 180 on the way people are going to perceive you now. At least me. I kind of think he's just a, a... you know, an entitled Little Pussy because of that. Mm-hmm. But those are my thoughts. The thug comment <laughs> necessarily. It's twenty twenty. I mean things are taken out of hand all the time. Things you know, they're not actually how they appear. There's no way he's meant that in like a racist slang term. I mean he's been a head coach at a major college basketball program, getting recruits to go there consistently for years on end in the Big Ten, for God's sakes. I don't think anyone's claiming he's a racist in any way, but You know that comment gets out, and it looks bad to some people. And he has to make the apology, and it's just another, you know, mark against him and the way he started his career. It's, it's weird. I didn't think Beeline was going to have a lot of success, but this has just gone south quick. And I would be surprised right now if he got to a second year. What about? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. But at the rate it's at now. And these random stories popping up, you've had players, stories before this that said players aren't, you know, listening to him in the locker room, things like that. And that's obviously the veterans. So, I I think he probably ends up at another major college program in the next, you know, two or three seasons. Maybe he gets one more year after this. I don't remember how many years they signed him to. Maybe it was four or five. But... If you're going to be the Cavaliers and you're going to bring in a college coach who has all this experience with young guys and and you you haven't been tanking, but you have these high draft picks, you have Garland, uh, you have Sexton and some other young guys, you have to commit to being that young team. And so what I mean by that is Kevin Love wasn't going to come in. Tristan Thompson isn't going to come in and buy into Beeline's message, which is, you know playing hard all the time, uh, that college mentality. So, you know, Garland and Sexton, they're fresh out of college, and, you know, they, they're they used to that type of coaching in, in, in high school and in college, and so that's really kind of shot himself in the foot. I'm not saying that he hasn't been at fault for some things, but, like, I just think the organization needed to do a better job if they were bringing in a college guy. They needed to put him in a position to succeed better rather than handing him these veterans, like Kevin Love, who who has history of you know being a wuss, as you had mentioned, and Tristan Thompson, and just being like get them to buy in because they're not going to buy in. Kevin Love signed his contract; he made a shit ton of money. Uh, he committed to being in Cleveland. He knew what he was in for when he signed the contract, and now he's acting as you said, like a little like like a little bitch. So it just it, it's the organization. I think. Number one should take the fall for this because they didn't put him in a position to succeed when they committed to him, um, and I guess that's kind of just what you would expect from the Cavaliers. Without LeBron James, they're just a trash organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, this is a team and an organization that you want a franchise, you want a championship with. You got to have some connection. You got to try to give it a chance. Especially, you signed a four-year, one hundred twenty million dollar deal. I mean, it's three years after the season left on the deal. Who wants to pay Kevin Love that much money? Not a contender because they can't afford it. So it's going to be, if he gets traded, it's going to be to another team that may be a French contender, but no one actually would expect to win. So it's, it's mind-boggling and and I don't, I don't really know. Yeah.
0: I think obviously it's the coach who is always, you know, public enemy number one. So the blame's going to go on him. You know, rather than you know, Kobe Altman and and uh, what's the what's the owner's name? Uh, I can't think of it right now. Dan. For some reason. Dan. Uh, Snyder. No. no, no, no. All right, we we're not moving on until we look this up because it's pissing me off. How do I not remember his name?
1: God, I can't remember it either. If this was twenty fourteen, we would
0: all remember it. Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. And I apologize. I said owner. I meant governor. He's the governor now. <laughs> Yeah. Of um so yeah, I, I like I said it's just it, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Um the organization hasn't put him in a position to succeed. I think this is just a nitpicking article. Like you said, I don't think he meant anything bad by it whatsoever. He needs to watch what he says, but you know, it it's it, it's a stupid article, but he's going to be crucified for it. So, um moving on. Um Celtics guard Kimball Walker was called for two technical fouls against the Spurs on Wednesday night and was ejected for the first time in his career. Walker was issued with a technical after saying that was an effing foul, man, after he got completely demolished on a screen by LaMarcus Aldridge, which sent him to the floor. Um, Walker remained cool after that, um, but then the ref like was staring at him and just threw him out uh, for absolutely no reason. Uh, by calling him for another technical. So uh, this was the first ejection of his career. Um, So I'm not really necessarily the topic here. Uh, You can talk about it and maybe you've watched the video. But how, I mean, NBA officials, and especially with the Pacers game last night, a couple incidents there just in the same night. I mean, how much are they in their feelings, uh, you know, recently? You had Isaiah Thomas from a few weeks ago. Uh, getting thrown out um, after making contact from the ref. It just seems like some of them just have a way too quick of a trigger to throw guys out for no reason. And Kimba, with you know that track record, he's never been thrown out before. It, it just seems like they, it, they think the game sometimes – they just ruin the experience, I guess. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but they ruin the game experience by making it about them.
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit. I watched the play <laughs> – Kimba definitely got fouled. Legal screen, no doubt. Got shoved to the ground almost by Aldridge, and then he 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 yelled at the ref a little bit. He gave him his mind. He gave him you know what he thought was well. And all I thought within his rules, you know, he's kind of a star player. You're allowed to do that a little bit. I think maybe a tech was warranted, but the double tech toss out was absolutely astonishing to me. I didn't understand it either, but that's just the way it is you got the human element in it the refs are human they take things personal time maybe he said something that we didn't hear you you just never really know and i don't think it necessarily ruins the game this doesn't happen that often it seems like it's happened more lately but refs are gonna ref everybody hates them it's the most unrewarding job in the world they get paid decently i guess but as a guy who ref third through sixth grade basketball this past weekend i can tell you it's, it's a thankless job you know and what do you do? You got to try to control the game. He might've thought it was getting out of hand. It's not that big of a story as far as the status of the refs. I think they've been fair in the games we've had recently. I don't think anyone's out to get anybody. So that's just the way I think about it. I think we just move on.
0: Yeah. So speaking of your ref days, have you had any parents, uh, you know, light your ass (laughs) up yet?
1: Honestly, only one game I refed where it was a bad. Most of the, most of these people realize, all right, this is third and fourth grade basketball. There's no reason to even really pay attention half the time. <laughs> Calling travels don't even happen, so we can't really get mad at the ref. But once you get into fifth and sixth grade basketball, it's a little more physical. Parents are a little more into it. The games are a little tighter. And when the games are tight, you pretty much – what I do is I just call it by the book most of the time. you know. So that's how I kind of deal yeah. with it. But when parents chirp, you kind of just – I look at them and I'm like, listen – this is a Saturday league. We're playing half. We're playing on a side court. Like this isn't, we're not even in high school basketball. Like this isn't anything to freak out about. Everyone take a chill pill. He fouled him. I saw it. I'm the one with the whistle. You have to obey me. And then they shut up. You just got to put them in their place. Yeah.
0: Some great tips there. You might have to write a referee book one day.
1: Oh, I'm sure I will.
0: (laughs) All right. Last topic here. uh, And then we'll wrap up the show. Um, I'm going to highlight some things here because there's a lot of names, so I know I'm going to list off a lot of names. It's going to be a lot to listen to, but I'm just delivering news here. Uh, the second return of NBA fan votes came out on Thursday for the All-Star Game starters. Uh, the fans are voting for both captains and starters, um, so here are some of the results. Uh, top 10 from each different position. The West Front Court. Uh, from top to bottom, this is how they're currently ranked. I don't have the votes on here. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Paul George, Jokic, Towns, Porzingis, Carmelo, Brandon Egram, and Dwight Howard. Um, the West Guards, uh, which they're going to pick two from, is Luca, James Harden, uh, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Westbrook, Alex Caruso, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, and John ja Morant. Um, And then in the east, the front court, they're going to pick three guys from this uh, uh, section. They have Giannis, Embiid, Siakam, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Taco Fall, uh, Adebayo, Gordon Hayward, DeMontis Sabonis is ninth, and Andre Drummond. And then the guard positions in the east, two from this section, Trey Young, Kyrie, Kimba, D Rose, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, Beal, and Fred Van Vliet. Um, So a lot of those guys are, you know, names that you would expect to hear, but uh, fans have been voting on Twitter and on the app and things like that. What do you make of some of those names on that list? I think the only ones that really when I name off all those good players is Taco Fall and uh, Caruso, really.
1: Yeah, I think that fan vote's one-fourth of the actual vote, so that never really matters. There's always guys up there. I remember when Zaza Pachulia was leading the fan vote when the Warriors had all the other guys making the All-Star team, so that was – it's comical. It gets things stirring. It's good to have a little controversy on there, and it's probably legit. I mean, people love those guys, so there's nothing you can really say. If people are going to vote ironically, they're going to vote ironically. It's not the end-all, be-all of who actually makes the All-Star game. I just hope we can get some Pacers representation on there. I think Sabonis 100% deserves to be there. It's going to be hard because, you know, Bam's having a good season too. I think they're battling for one of the very few spots in the East to actually hope for grabs. So I think Sabonis should. And if Pacers fans want to see representation, you should definitely vote because that takes some account.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the way the starters are currently set up by their rankings, I mean, you still have a solid team starting – I mean, there's nobody in the top ten on each, or excuse me, top five on each conference. That's a you know an outlier. It's it's later on in those rankings, and there's no way Sabonis. I feel like gets to the starters anyway. He's way too far back. He doesn't have a chance. So, uh, the starters will be revealed January 24th. Um, so there's a couple more weeks of that, but then the reserves they are selected uh, by the head coaches, and those are revealed a week later on the 31st. So um that's when I would expect and and Brogdon I think he's missed too many games to to make it now he was definitely on pace to be an all-star uh but since he's missed all these games I don't think he's gonna qualify so I think for the Pacers uh their only hope is Sabonis and I think he's gonna make it
1: yeah there's no way he will miss they will be the snub and there's there's always at least the past two or three years there's been one or two injuries that open up spots too you hate to see it but it's always happened. So well, yeah. at the end of the day, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in Chicago for the All Star weekend.
0: Yeah, and and Embiid as well. Uh, we had just talked about a tweet that was sent out about uh, his his finger. Um, he's mulling his options. He might have surgery. I don't know how long the recovery time is. So he he's currently a starter, but that could change if if you know he decides to get surgery and he's out for a while. So yeah. I, I don't know what the timetable is on that. But like you said, some of these players will get knocked out because injury. Knock on wood, uh, but that's just how it goes. Um, so anyways, that's all I got for Around the Association, but I know I know for sure before we wrap up and say our goodbyes to our loyal listeners that you would like to talk about your beloved Jeopardy tournament.
1: Yeah, the GOAT tournament. It's been pretty good. I mean, the first episode, I think, was amazing. They came out of the gate, and they didn't miss a question in the first round. I think Reuter might have missed a double Jeopardy, but... That's classic Rooter, am I right? He's been missing double Jeopardies left and right. Last night was definitely Jeopardy James's show. I, he kind of dominated, and you know Ken kept it close, but you can't miss the final double. You can't miss the final Jeopardy question, that's for sure. So, shout out to Jeopardy James. It's one one, the first one to three wins, so they're at least going to Saturday. And I had to guess. I would say Brad doesn't get any the way he's played, but. You know, I don't think you should necessarily hate on Brad because who cares? He's won more money in game show history than anyone ever has in the world, and when this is over, he will still be that because every contestant gets at least two hundred fifty thousand. So he's got that locked up either way. I think it's James's to lose, but you know Ken Jennings is right there, so. You know, they have this little weird rapport in the game, and it's like they're they know each other pretty well. And these jokes, it's, it's a different Jeopardy than normal. And it's, it, I don't know, for me, it's hit a home run so far. I've enjoyed watching it.
0: Yeah, I will be tuning in tonight. I missed uh, the second night because of the Pacers game, and so uh, I think I recorded it. I don't know if I'll go back and watch it, but anyways, I, I'm, a, I'm a Ken Jennings guy, you know, I, I grew up on Jennings, you know. Uh, going on that 74, whatever it was, win streak, 74-game win streak. And so I would always go and, I mean, I never really watched Jeopardy!, but back when I was 13 or 14 years old, when he did that, I would watch. And so I would religiously watch at 7.30 for him to come on. And completely dominate. So I didn't really watch Jeopardy! James. I, I knew about him. I knew he became an internet sensation, um, you know, do- completely dominating. I think it was last year. Um, and so I, I guess I, I guess I know he's a really smart guy. My, my heart tells me to root for Ken, but I think that Jeopardy! James ultimately pulls this out they all got these weird quirks about
1: them too you can tell that they're you don't you're not that smart without being a little socially awkward so it's kind of funny just watching them interact on stage and it's been a delight and all this time of trouble things going on all over the world jeopardy's brought us together in my opinion so i love it yeah
0: Yep, absolutely. So that's going to wrap up episode 73 of the podcast. and uh, We should be back to our regular schedule now since the holidays are gone. Um, but, you know, we got to take a break here and there, re-energize and get ready uh, to deliver one of the best Pacers podcasts out there for you guys. So enjoy the rest of your week, your weekends, and uh, hopefully we get a Pacers win this weekend against the Bulls. And we will be back next week with more content for you guys. So we'll see you guys later. Yep, Window Carter out a
1: couple weeks as well. So take that with you. He will not be playing. Yep,
0: so there's some uh, bad news for the Bulls, good news for the Pacers. So see you guys later.
1: See ya.